On this episode of Infinity Sports, we're going to discuss the top 10 tandems in the NBA where both players are 25 or under. Coming up right after the intro. Welcome to Infinity Sports. I'm Wayne G. I am joined today by a special guest. It's not Sully. It is Nick Paquin of Ad Hominem. I was on his show uh, discussing some politics. I know we don't do that on our show, so it was fun to do that. But he's also a huge sports fan. In fact, we had a 700-page debate uh, about Tom Brady uh, not too long ago. So, Nick, what's going on? Glad to have you on the show. Yeah, I love being here. I love the show. Um, Wayne, I I try to tune into as many shows especially with sully right because you and sully have a lot of polar opposite takes at times on things and i love listening to the discussion listening to the banter and the debate and obviously you know me i can't stay off your facebook page where i'm always commenting so well i always appreciate it i I enjoy a good debate and i know not everyone does so it's always fun to get into it on whatever topic it is before we get into the topic today because we are going to have some disagreements here Let's just say, uh, please subscribe or like. It's at the bottom of the screen here. It's a watermark, or you can just click the subscribe button underneath. It helps the show out tremendously. Not only that, but it puts us easier to find for you and gets the newer content in front of you right away. If you prefer to listen to the podcast, we are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. And listen to us while you're driving to work. Listen to us while you're going for a walk, whatever it is, wherever you listen to your podcast. And lastly, please find us on social media at infinity sports podcast on facebook at infinity sports podcast on instagram and at sports infinity five on twitter we do respond and if it's a really good comment we'll put it up on the screen during the next show that said when nick i know nick's been asking to come on the show for a little bit and i really wanted to get him on here to discuss some basketball because we're both basketball fans and the topic that we came up with was the top 10 nba duos who are at least 25 and under now I had a question for you. So some teams had guys like three, four or five guys who are 25 or under, but I like, I just went with the top two players. Yeah. Yeah. I well, So that it's funny you say that because I think like in some of our cases and we'll get into it, the top two players were probably like, we were probably off a little bit on who we selected as the top two players. But I agree. Um, when you put the 25 distinction, it made this selection process, I think a lot more difficult for me anyway because of those reasons there's a lot a lot of rosters have guys that are just at 25 and some of those players are pretty good when you combine them with somebody who you consider at least a if not an all-star then a a potential superstar right for sure and the way i ranked them is you gave me a list one through ten i did my list one through ten and then i added the cumulative scores and the lower the score then the higher the rank right so if we each had the same number one Theoretically, I'd be a two for a score. Yep. Um, and then, of course, we had a couple teams that were unranked. Anybody who was unranked got an 11, and then you added that to whatever was ranked. So there were four teams between the two of us that did not make the top 10, and the highest score or the lowest rank is probably going to be the Golden State Warriors 
who I had ranked 10th and you had unranked. So they got an 11 uh, for a 21. I had Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman. Uh, Wiggins is 25 uh, for a few more weeks, I think. And yep. then James Wiseman just looks really, really good. I know he's only averaging 12 and a half points per game, but I think he's going to be a really solid big man. So I don't know if you had thought of Golden State at all, or if you kind of skipped over them. Honestly, I, I, I will be honest. I Golden State didn't come to mind, and I was biased with my rankings. I'm going to admit that to you right now and in front of all your listeners. Um, anybody who had like a big man, like a James Wiseman, I just feel as though that the game is significantly moving away from the big man type style and especially the way that like Wiseman plays. That doesn't mean like he's not going to be a guy who can go out there and get a double-double. He's not going to be a guy who can impact a game, right? I think um, – Carl Anthony Towns, for example, is one of those guys, but he's a really good player on a terrible team. So for me, it's like if Wiseman's a guy like that, I don't know. I, I just I don't think you can build a franchise anymore around a guy like Wiseman. That was my thought process. Okay. Uh, it makes sense. And like I said, the a guy who I think is a tremendous big, and obviously he was 26, so didn't qualify in Philadelphia, is, is Joel Embiid, I think, is the best big man yeah. I've ever seen. I think he's better than Shaquille O'Neal. I think he's better than anybody I've ever seen. Like his overall skill set his motivation is something that you know needs to step up but his overall skill set is just i've never seen a big man who plays with his back to the basket like Embiid, and then also can step out and knock down threes right yeah yeah i agree i think i, I mean i think Embiid is one of those special type of players again i think though that he needs to be combined with somebody and right now he is combined with a guy like ben simmons but i think that you know ben simmons is obviously an all-star he's somebody who's a very good player but i don't know that he's going to cut it as far as getting the Sixers to a point where they are a title threat, if that makes sense, with Embiid. I think that they need to upgrade that other star with Embiid. That would be, that's my opinion on Philly anyway. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. The uh, two teams that, again, you had, uh, un, no, I had unranked, uh, you had them ninth, I believe, is uh, Sacramento. So I had, I don't know if we had the same duo. I had Darren Fox and Marvin Bagley. Oh, so you had Bagley. I had Halliburton. I okay. love Halliburton. I think, I, I think Halliburton is going to be an absolute stud. I think he already shows flashes of having a really well-rounded game. He has a quirky shot. It reminds me of, I don't know if you remember Kevin Martin. Huge shout out to my wife because they both went to the same college, Western Carolina, Catamount stand up. Um, she'll appreciate that. But it's um, it's one of those things where I think for me – Darren Fox is a very good player, I think. I think he's very underrated. No one talks about him ever, partly because he's in Sacramento. But I think Halberton complements him really well. And I like Bagley a lot. It was tough for me to choose Halberton, but I just think that he, outside of Lonzo, uh, I'm sorry, outside of LaMelo ball, Halberton's going to be a steal in, the, in this draft and in the future. I think that that's how it'll be looked upon. Uh, yeah, I like. Uh... I like them. I just, again, when I'm just thinking of my top 10, I'm thinking top 10 right now, not necessarily yeah. top 10. I would build a franchise around going forward. Yeah. Um, uh, so then we also had the same ranking again. I had, uh, or you had unranked. I had them ninth. So we flipped it here. Uh, Phoenix Suns. I had Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And obviously Booker's a phenomenal scorer. Ayton, I mean, he's at, all he's doing is averaging, you know, 15 and 13. You know, so yeah. in his second season. So. Right, right. Yeah. Ayton, Ayton's a player I love. Um, I really do like him. I think that he has like that Embiid type potential uh, as well. Uh, he really, I think that Aiton could develop as a perimeter shooter for a big man too. I think that he has that in his game. A lot of people with Aiton don't realize like he hasn't played basketball that long. I think he started playing basketball at like what, like 16, something like that. Like he's not really been 
around basketball for a long time. So he's still growing into himself. And Booker's a guy that I love too, but like this year he has laid such an egg. Yeah, I mean, I don't- I'm not a. I mean, he's a great scorer. I'm not a huge Devin Booker fan. He seems to have a little bit of an attitude about him, yeah. which I know some players do, and it's a good thing. But right. I remember watching a video of him playing pickup ball. I think it was that went viral. That somebody was Ding him up like really tight, and he was yep. getting upset that the guy was Ding him up tight. I'm like, dude, it's a basketball game. That's what he's supposed to be doing. Right, right. Uh, in this NBA, guys aren't so used to that, especially perimeter players. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, I get that. And then the last unranked team, and again, I, I had them eighth. Uh, you again, you had them unranked, but uh, Miami Heat. I had Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero. I think two really, really good players that are um, you know under twenty five. I'm not actually. I don't like Tyler Hero because again, I, I think he's got kind of a smarmy attitude. But Bam Adebayo, I think, is a really, really good player. Yeah, and I think for right now, I think yeah, Adebayo, I think is is who Miami is sort of like building around. Uh, that that's what it seems like. I mean, obviously you have Jimmy Butler there, and I, I think that Jimmy Butler's presence probably impacts Harrow's overall efficiency as well, um, maybe even his development to an extent. But I also think like Harrow's one of those guys, I call it like the Scotty Pippen thing, right, where Pippen said like you have guys that are like excelling in the bubble and in front of no fans, and I want to see Harrow as somebody who like can do it in a sold-out arena with pressure on, right? Like we saw him do it in the bubble – he was, you know, came out of basically nowhere, right? He had a decent season, but he was a breakout player in the bubble um, last season. Really helped get Miami to the finals. But I just think that we haven't seen that same Tyler Harrow this year. And I'm curious what that Tyler Harrow is going to look like with fans in the seats. All right. The 10th ranked team that we have here, this was, uh, I had, you had them unranked. I had them seventh overall, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, I had, obviously, this would be Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell uh, would be my two guys. And Anthony Towns, obviously, he's all he does is average 22 and 12 and a half. And then this year, he's averaging 26 and 10.8. Uh, he's a phenomenal big man. I know you don't like the back to the basket. It's, like you said, it's a dying thing. Towns can hit the three, too. He's not yeah. used that way, but he can. And then D'Angelo Russell is a guy that I'm a Lakers fan. So I love D'Angelo Russell when they took him second overall out of Ohio State. And... uh I don't know, he's been bounced around the league, but he's a really good player. He averages 20 wherever he goes. Yeah, I was shocked that Minnesota made the 10. I'm going to be honest. This is a team with, what, four wins so far this season? I mean, they are just, like, tremendously bad, right? Um, you know, a team that we didn't mention, and they weren't in the honorable mentions, and I was surprised by that, too, was, like, a team that I thought of or would have thought of before Minnesota, and I will get to Minnesota, is San Antonio, right? Like, people don't talk about, like, Lonnie Walker or Keldon Johnson. I mean, Keldon Johnson's been an absolute stud. And talk about how good of a how well coached that team is, right? I mean, Popovich might be the best to do it. But as far as Minnesota, I think Carl Anthony Towns is a good player. He needs to get out of there, um, you know, and, and I think at some point he will. I'm not sold on D'Angelo Russell as, like, a guy who can, like, run a team. You know what I mean? Okay. From the point guard position. That's my that's my biggest knock with him. Like, I think he's somebody who can go somewhere and be like a Lou Williams at some point in his career, but I don't think he's going to be somebody who's going to run a team. See, and I, I think he's a two guard more so than a one. Yeah. Even though he, even though he averages six assists a game, I, I think that he's really more of a two. And to me, I think a better comp for him than Lou Williams, because Lou Williams is a guy who came off the bench his whole career. I mean, he right. started a couple years in Clippers. Uh, D'Angelo Russell actually reminds me of Kyrie Irving. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of praise, I think, to uh, D'Angelo Russell. Kyrie, I mean, when, when Kyrie's head's on right, he might be the best point guard in the game. Oof, uh, that's a whole other debate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might have to save that for another episode. But I'm, man, I'm a big Kyrie Irving guy. Not his headspace, but his overall game. 
Number nine, we have the Charlotte Hornets. I had them unranked, actually. You had them a sixth. And I, the two I had, and again, I don't know if it's the same two, I had LaMelo Ball and Devonta Graham. Um, that's exactly who I have. So I watch, I'm in North Carolina. I watch a ton of Hornets games, admittedly. And I thought it was going to be boring and terrible because that's what most of my friends down here that are Hornets fans tell me. LaMelo Ball, when I watch him play, shows me shades of Jason Kidd. I watch LaMelo Ball play and I'm like, wow, this kid is smooth. He does everything well, including defending. I mean, he's he's a really solid defender. Doesn't get enough credit for that, in my opinion, early on in his career. Um, The shot... Everyone knows how clunky it looks and all that, but I think it's going to develop much like Lonzo's has over the course of his career. I think it'll develop more than Lonzo's. And then Devontae Graham is a guy who I don't think gets enough credit. I think Rogier hurts his game, but Devontae Graham is a good guy who can get his teammates involved, but he can also create his own shot. And guys like that excel in this NBA. That, that, that's my take on it. I, I really like it. I enjoy watching the Charlotte Hornets, and yes, I will admit that. No, that, that's fine. And I'm a big LaMelo Ball fan as well. I'm a big Lonzo Ball fan. I, I both those guys. Yeah. But my again, looking at it as this isn't the two guys that I want to build a franchise around. It's the two yeah. guys that today are the best duo. And you had these guys rated ahead of Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think I mean I I think I think LaMelo Ball is a stud. I think now that he's starting in Charlotte cuz that's the other thing too like this guy was coming off the bench most of the year. I think that now that he's starting, his impact on the on the league and that team is going to be pretty transformative. I mean, Charlotte is a really bad team on paper, and they are doing pretty well this season. I think they're in a playoff. They're they're in a playoff hunt right now. I mean, it's early, right? But no one would have expected that. No, uh, well, and Gordon Hayward, what a nice surprise he's been. Right, um, right. Boston, exactly. Boston could have been happier to get rid of him, and he turns out to yeah. be old Gordon Hayward again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And I've watched some games where like Hayward had, you know, quite the stat lines, you know, 40 points in some games and, and 30 points in, in, in games. I mean, he had a stretch where he was just scoring, I mean, buckets. But again, like Hayward's not a guy you can build around, but he's a great complimentary piece behind a guy like LaMelo and LaMelo's development too. And don't forget PJ Washington. I think he's a solid big man in this league. And I think he's got a future as a solid big man in this league. He's still coming into his own. Now, here's the one we mentioned it earlier, or we teased it earlier. The Memphis Grizzlies, you had them second overall. I had them unranked. So this was yeah. our bi- our yeah. biggest disparity. Yeah, now, obviously, John Morant, there's no I mean, He's a phenomenal player. He's going to continue to be a phenomenal player. My second player, I don't know if this is your second player, I had Dylan Brooks. Wow, you put, you you had Dylan Brooks over Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, I, guess, I was just going to buy their points per game and their rebounds per game and their assists per game, and he was yep. pretty much better than... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brooks is good. Like, here's the thing. I am a John Morant fanatic. I think that John Morant is going to be an MVP candidate for years to come. I mean, I watched this kid play, and you had mentioned Kyrie Irving earlier, but I think if you took the best parts of Kyrie Irving's game and combined it with Russell Westbrook's athleticism, and you have one John Morant. I mean, that's how I, that's how I view him when I watch him play. I mean, the kid is absolutely incredible, and his intensity is through the roof, and he makes his teammates better. And that's indicative of the fact that – Right now, the longest win streak in the NBA is held by the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, so, but I had with him was Jaron Jackson Jr., who's not played a minute this season yet, right? Okay. But again, like he's a guy last season who really took off. He really came into his own. He has a hard time with his back to the basket for a big man, but he's a spread the floor big and he's a guy who can rebound. And those guys are highly coveted in today's NBA. And I think he's going to make that Memphis team. A, a really, really good team when he gets back. 
So I had Memphis up there because one, they're in the playoff hunt and they look like they can put it to any team in the league right now with how deep their bench is. You know, you mentioned Brooks, but there's other guys. Bain leads the league in three-point shooting, right? Um, so there's a lot of other guys out there, but I, I just I love the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Throw that out there. And I like John Morant, and I, I was trying to think of who I would have him as a comp, and I thought it was funny when you mentioned the combination of Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving because that's what I would say as well, but there is a player, and that's pre-injury Derek Rose is who that kind of reminds me of. Wow, yeah, and, and I think the Derek Rose comparison is spot on um, because he, he – has a lot of that skill set. I mean, th- that that Kyrie handle where he can get to the basket at will, but that athleticism too, where I mean, he jumps through the roof and pulls off some some of these crazy plays that just look so smooth, like we see Westbrook do for a decade now, right? Um, crazy, crazy. John Morant's got a huge ceiling. Yep, I like him a lot. Uh, I just maybe if I'd had Jaron Jackson on there, I guess, but just the fact that I was like, all right, I guess because he doesn't have points per game this year, I didn't right. even look at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming back from that meniscus surgery that he had. Um, I mean, they speculate this month, so it'll be interesting to see how the how the Grizzlies incorporate Triple J back into the lineup because he, I mean, he's a stud too. Another one we had a little bit of a disparity. Obviously, you can't talk about John Morant without talking about Zion Williamson. <laughs> and we did have the New Orleans Pelicans as the next team up. Uh, they're seventh overall. I had them fifth. You had them tenth. And looking at the team, I had Zion and Brandon Ingram. Uh, both yep. those guys, I think, are all stars. Um, I mean, Zion hasn't been yet, but I think both those guys this year are all-stars. Zion's averaging 22 and a half, uh, 6.3. Um, I think that's this year's stats, yeah. The way it's written. Oh, no, no. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he just he's improving, and, and I, I like his game. He's – oh, I'm sorry. No, he's averaging 23.9, 7.5. So he's improved his rebounding per game. He's improved his assists. He's improved his field goal percentage. He actually reminds me of uh, a young Larry Johnson. That's who he kind of reminds me of. Wow. Uh, maybe not as cut up. You know, he's a little bit doughier. But yeah. He's also he can jump better than uh, Larry Johnson, I think. Yeah, um, Zion's tough for me, and, and why I had them ranked so low too is, is Zion's tough for me because I look at Zion and he comes with a lot of hype, and you know I followed his college career because he was playing at Duke, and I mean literally Duke University is 15 minutes from where I live, so the Zion hype was real down here. Uh, but I just look at him too, and to your point about being doughy, I just I wonder how that is going to be sustainable long term, like. What's his body going to look like as he doesn't have that ability that we all have in our youth, right? <laughs> to shed weight easily and that kind of thing. And your knees start getting some wear and tear. I worry about that stuff with Zion. And the other thing why I had New Orleans, because I do like the combination of, of Ingram and Zion. But I think I look at Brendan Ingram as a guy who's like a Kevin Durant light, right? Like I look at him as like a lighter version of Kevin Durant. And I think that because of Zion's hype, New Orleans has to force it to Zion a lot, and it takes away a little bit from Ingram. I don't know that those two players complement each other too well on that team, and I think that that's indicative of how bad New Orleans is with all that talent. Oh, yeah. I would be, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised because I see, again, two guys who are averaging 50 points per game. Right. And we, we got them at 10th, and then you've got guys like LaMelo Ball, who's averaging 12 points per game up in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fair. I mean, I, I didn't just take points into consideration. Um, you know, LaMelo's made that Hornets team really good. And I'll tell you what, those guys that are averaging 50 points a game, New Orleans looks trash. And I watched that Charlotte team and LaMelo almost put a triple-double up against them and beat them. Yeah. Well, again, so, they're not ranking the whole team, though, just their top two players. Right, 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 right. right. So I just, I, yeah, I look at the top 25. I mean, or, the, or the, the, the two guys under 25 on that team, they're really good. You, could, I think you could put those two guys right now up there against anybody. But, like, why are the results so poor? That's my question, and that's why they were so low on my list. All right. 
The sixth-ranked team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, again, you had them fourth. I had them unranked. So this is another one where we were again, widely different. Now, I have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Yep. Yeah, of course. Of so course. Sexton's having a great year. Uh, he averaged 20 points per game last year. He's averaging 25 this year. Uh, so a huge step up there. And Garland, again, took a step up from 12.3 to 15.2. Uh, all his numbers are going up across the board. I guess I just I, I didn't have him ranked because uh, all these other guys I feel like are performing better now. I wasn't again I wasn't going by potential. I mean potentially these guys could be the a top five team, but I just you know right now today are these two in their thirty five points per game a top ten? That's like, eh. yeah, and I think I probably weighted potential a lot more than you did, right? Like I think that that's where the disparity in some of the rankings are, are coming in. But for me, like I I, I look at Sexland right, and mm -hmm. I, I was with you on that Darius Garland Sexton. I think that. Sexton to me looks like a young, a younger Damian Lillard. I mean, I think he's got that kind of potential in him. I mean, the kid is ferocious when he's playing. I mean, I have a buddy of mine who sends me tapes and, and all kinds of, you know, things from Sexton's past where he was like calling out Penny Hardaway's son on the court while he was just dogging him in a game. You know what I mean? In front of Penny Hardaway too, nonetheless. So it was like, I mean, Sexton has that intensity and he's got that chip on his shoulder, right? This is a guy who, from from what I understood, like people didn't like him in Cleveland when he first got there, and and the veterans were like, let's trade this kid and make another run, blah blah blah. But they were like, no, we want to build around him, and he took that with pride. And I mean, he's again, Cleveland is in the playoff hunt in the East. I mean, who would have thunk? And Garland's been Garland's been hot and cold. He had a really good game the other night. Um, he's been hurt too, so I think that that's been one of the knocks on Garland. And then it's also like, how are two undersized point guards in the NBA going to coexist in the backcourt. I think that that's the biggest question for that Cleveland team. And while we're on Cleveland, before we get into the top five, here's one that's puzzled me is Andre Drummond. All he does is average 23 and 16. All he does is put up a 20, 20 every night. And they're talking about just releasing him. Right. I mean, I think, I think probably because they know that they don't have a shot at re-signing him after this year anyway. Um, he trade for him though? I, yeah, I don't understand the thought process behind that. I have read stuff about that too. I mean, I know they have a Coral who they're really high on defensively. Who I, again, twenty twenty draft person. A lot of people don't know about him, um, but outstanding defender. And I think that he can make up some of those boards and the grittiness that Drummond brings, but obviously not at the scale. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't understand what Cleveland's doing uh, with Andre Drummond unless they think like JaVale McGee is you know going to be able to step in and fill that role quite easily. I I, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all I can think of is like, is nobody getting on the phone with them to say, Hey, don't release. Cause they're saying if they release him, he's going to go to Brooklyn. Yeah. that's uh, what it, But um, nobody's on the phone. Like the Celtics aren't on the phone. Like, well, we don't want him in Brooklyn. So you want to send him here for a second round pick or something. I don't understand. I mean, in those situations, you have to think that there's like some sort of like character type thing going on. Right. Like maybe he's not meshing with the team or maybe they look at him as like a negative impact. I don't know. Cause you don't hear those rumors. And typically in the NBA you do, but it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for those other teams, like you said, Boston, but it also doesn't make sense for Cleveland. Like they're in the playoff hunt. What are they thinking? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Our top five kicks off the number five team, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, let's see, I had, this was, we were pretty close on this one. Uh, you had them seventh. I had them sixth. And obviously Zach Levine, Lori Markinen are the two guys that I have. And Zach Levine, I think, gets slept on in the NBA. He averaged 25 and a half points per game last year. He's averaging 26.9 so far this year. He's a guy who I know he's had injury issues, yep. but when he's healthy to me, he's arguably a top 10 player. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Zach Levine gets no love. 
And I was one of those people, like up until last year, I would say, I started watching more Bulls games because of Kobe White, who I'm a huge fan of. I had Kobe White and Zach Levine and in tandem really for, for Chicago. And I think for me, Zach Levine, I, I think it's because people look at him as like strictly a scorer. He almost gets like the Devin Booker categorization for a lot of people. But I think that he's a lot more developed as an all-round player than Devin Booker is at this point in their careers. I mean, that's my take having watched now like a considerable amount of Bulls games. And, and a guy like Kobe White, I think he's got like stud point guard potential, right, combined with, with, with Levine's talent. Consistency is the key. Like, I mean, you know, Kobe White will have a game where he drops 30, has eight assists, eight or nine assists, you know, 20 points, eight or nine assists, something like that. But then he has another game where he goes out and shoots like four or 14 and has like eight points, right, and four assists. Like the consistency thing. Um, and I think that that tandem, as long as they stay together in Chicago, they're going to be pretty form formidable, I think. Um, not just now, but in the future. So you went White over Markkinen? I did. I went Kobe White just because I think – I don't know that I don't know that Markinen is a guy that will stick around Chicago long. I think he's got a. I think his contract's coming up in the next couple of years too, and they're going to have to start making some decisions around Levine. I mean, th this could all go out the window, right? Like, cause I, I'm not I'm not convinced that Chicago is going to keep the core team that they have together. I mean, there was rumors that Levine was going to be traded this offseason, right? Um, and now all of a sudden, all those rumors go away, and here he is just being his productive self, getting no credit for it, right? So I had Kobe White over Markinen because I, I just think. It, it seems as though they handed him the point guard position, the starting point guard position. You know, he's grabbed it. He's got that level of intensity as well. He plays with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. You know, for, for me, I like stuff like that. Okay. Here comes another big disparity. Uh, our number four team is the Denver Nuggets. You had them eighth. I had them second. Uh, again, the Denver, we're talking Jamal Murray, uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, Jokic is a top five player in the NBA. Um, I mean, he's almost averaging a triple double and that's, and he does it every night. It isn't like he goes out and puts up 35, 26 and 15. And then the next night he's kind of, he's every single night, he's going to give you 22 and 14 and nine every single night. And to me, I, I'm surprised because no matter how much I watch him, like I keep looking for something to pick on other than the fact that he's kind of goofy looking and he's right. slowish, you know, yeah. he yeah. really has no weaknesses in his game at all you know, yeah. other than his athleticism. And uh, this is where, like, I erred in the criteria, too, because I had I, – I didn't realize that Djokovic was only 25, and I put Michael Porter Jr. with Jamal Murray. Okay. So that's why I dropped it so low. If I had – because for whatever reason, I was thinking Jokic was 26. Yeah, two weeks. But, is that what it is? He'll be yeah. twenty. Yeah, two. So that so that's what that's what threw me off in the rankings. Otherwise, I would have had Denver way up there. But I'm with you. I made the comment to to a buddy back home the other day that I mean, when it's all said and done, Jokic could be the best big man that the league has ever seen. I mean, he's probably already the best passing big man that the league has ever seen. So it's I, I, there. There's no hole in his game. To your point, and and Murray feeds off it. Obviously, I mean, he's just a straight out and out scorer. Um, and he's consistent in his numbers. He's consistent with his production. So, I, I mean, Denver, that tandem, uh, yeah. I mean, you could see him in the finals this year. Who knows? I mean, I know you're a Lakers guy, but um, I'll be pulling for Denver against the Lakers if it comes down to it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, I will say this, that Jamal Murray, if we did a list of overrated players, I think Jamal Murray is a little overrated. Uh, if Jokic is underrated, I think you know, Murray gives you, if you go back three years, 18.2, 18.5, 9.1, 4.2, 4.4, 4.8, I think that he, I mean, I know he's only 23. Yeah. But I yeah. feel like he's 
reached his peak. Like you're just going to get these numbers out of him for the rest of his career, which is still a really good number, but it's not superstar. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I don't think Jamal Murray's the sort of guy that I look at with like a ton of upside, like guys that we've been talking about, like a Kobe white or even like a, or obviously like a John Morant or some of these other guys with huge upside Sexton, right? Like you put Sexton on, on Denver with Jokic. And I think that that's something which is an intriguing tandem, right? But yeah, Murray, I think this might be his ceiling, but he's still young enough to keep me optimistic. The number three team we have has probably my favorite player on this list, and that is Trey Young. And then I have with him uh, John Collins. And I guess you could have DeAndre Hunter in there as well. Yeah. Uh, I went John Collins, Trey Young, only because John Collins last year averaged 21.6 and 10 rebounds a game. This year he's averaging 16.7 and 7.7. But a lot of that is due to the fact that Clint Capella is getting more minutes and he wasn't there all year last year. So yeah. Capella is soaking up some of those rebounds and some of those interior points. But Trey Young, I've been calling him uh, Trey 2.0 since he was drafted just because I think – I'm not Trey 2.0, uh, Curry 2.0. Yeah. Because I think that he is actually a better Steph Curry. I think that he's got the same kind of range. He's got that quick release. He's got great handle, but he's a little bit better defender and he's a much better passer. Steph Curry really is a two guard, even though he leads that offense. He only averages about five and a half, six assists per game. You know, uh, Trey Young could lead the NBA in assists. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at Trey Young as, I've always looked at Trey Young as like a, a, a Steph Curry light. Um, I mean, Steph Curry is a guy that I don't think gets enough credit, right? I mean, he's maybe the best shooter that the league has ever seen. Uh, you know, the championship pedigree speaks for itself. And I mean, he's a gamer. I worry about Trey's ability to get up for it night in, night out. I mean, he's had some lulls this season where you look, where you watch and like when it's, when he's not, when he's not raining shots, he's not getting to the basket either. And that's concerning because he has the ability to do both. So why isn't he? I put DeAndre Hunter with him only because I was thinking future state again. And the friction between Trey Young and John Collins is well documented at this point. Collins is a free agent after this year. I don't think he's staying in Atlanta. So I was trying to keep future state in mind. And DeAndre Hunter is a well-rounded player who I love. And he covers up Trey's glaring defensive liability. Right. Like, I, I mean, I think that that's something that Golden State had always done really well for Curry. And Atlanta is starting to do that with like Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, guys who can defend the perimeter and also hide Trey Young's defensive ineffic- inefficiencies, basically. Okay. The top two teams we have, we'll go with two first, but obviously this is you know each of ours, I think, first and third team uh, combined. So this one, the number two team was your number one, my number three, right? And that is the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic, and Kristaps Porzingis. And I'm not a huge Porzingis fan. Um, he's just very, very soft. He's a shooter. He doesn't. I don't feel like he bangs down low, and he's seven foot three or something like that. Right, so right. I understand Kevin Durant's similar, but I don't think Kristaps Porzingis is anywhere near as developed as Kevin Durant offensively. So right. he's like almost like a, a a diet Kevin Durant, light, low carb. And then uh, the only reason that they're so high is because Luka Doncic, it might be one of the top two players in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went, I mean, I'm with you on Porzingis. I'm not sold on him, but I'm sold on Luka. I mean, Luka's a generational talent, right? I, I think Luka's going to be one of those guys that probably carries the league for the next few years. I think um, there, there'll be other guys, obviously, that, that that stake their claim along the way. But, I mean, Luka is already at such a young age, a perennial MVP candidate. I mean, he, he's a guy who plays on a very uh, – not a very talented Dallas team. Um, they're not that great right now, but he'll will them into the playoffs somehow, I'm confident. And it's just – 
give me Luca all day long. I had Dallas as my number one. Give me Luca all day. The guy's a walking triple double. He does it without trying. Um, I know questions have been brought up about his work ethic and stuff like that. I mean, Luca's from a part of the world where as long as you don't smoke cigarettes, you're considered like the epitome of health. So, I mean, give me Luca all day. <laughs> yeah. He's one of those guys that, you know, Sully is a huge Luca fan as well. And we talk about how when he was drafted into the NBA, that he's a guy that I, I felt like right away, I'm like, this guy's going to make an impact because he was the MVP of a professional league when he was 17 years old. Right. And we see these guys that go over and play in Europe, you know, out of high school because they don't want to play in college. And they average two points per game off the bench. Like he was an MVP of the league. So you knew right away he was completely different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's one of those things too with Luca where you, you, you watch him play and then you go back and you read his scouting report where it's like he's not athletic enough. He doesn't have the work ethic, all these sort of things. And um, he's also the type of guy who remembers that stuff. And I love that about Luca. So I'm, I'm sold all in on Luca. So uh, I will say, I mean, I said they're number two. Really, Dallas is, they're both number ones. We have two number ones because they both had four points total. Uh, this was my number one team, your number three. The Boston Celtics, I mean, they're going to be on there, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And Jason Tatum's a guy, again, I he's a good player. He's a really good player. He's going to be a superstar for a long time. But kind of in the Jamal Murray camp, I feel like he's a little overhyped. I, I, I don't, I mean, he's great, but he, I don't feel like he's as great as a lot of Boston fans think he is. Like He's very, very good. I'm actually really surprised with Jalen Brown. I've been a Jalen Brown fan since he came out of Cal, and that was one of the knocks on him was that he couldn't shoot, and he's really developed that. I mean, he's averaging 27 points per game this year. He, he's really stepped up. Now, that's between the two of them, I would actually rather have Jalen Brown. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, you and I are fully aligned on the Celtics, right? And especially with Jason Tatum, where he's a guy where he's so hyped because of his potential, right? And I drew the comparison at one point to where – you know, a lot of people would have said when they both came into the league that Trace McGrady was more talented than Kobe Bryant, right? Like had more physical ability, had more ta overall talent, but the work ethic wasn't the same. And it was obvious throughout their careers, right? And you see that with Brown and Tatum right now. I mean, Brown works his butt off. He's a guy who wants the ball in the clutch situations. I'm not saying that Tatum is not that guy, but I also think that the aura and the and, and, and the fans around Boston have kind of forced that role on him, and he's not comfortable in it. He doesn't look comfortable in it. I mean, I know he had the game winner against Milwaukee. Everyone made a big deal. It was a terrible shot. Um, he also had a game winner later on, and I don't remember who it was, but Brown hit the three to get them into overtime of that same game. So it was like – it's one of those things where I see Brown – I have a hard time with the Celtics because they are a good team right now, but that's just that, – that's, that's it. They're a good team right now. Like, how far do they go with these two? Maybe a guy like Carl Anthony Towns comes to Boston. Maybe a guy like Drummond comes to Boston and changes the dynamic. But in my opinion, they're never going to win a championship with just those two. They got, they, they got to do something else. Yeah, well, I like Kemba Walker as well. Uh, I think that obviously, yeah, I mean, he's had the knee injury, but I think that he's bouncing back. I think Drummond would be enormous for that. I mean, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns is going to give you 25 points per game as well. But just with what, the way the Celtics are, are built right now, I think that Drummond slides in a lot easier because he doesn't have to score. He can just yep. go get 20 rebounds. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. But I do think that even most Celtics fans would say that, like, you know, would you, would you, would you trade out? Would you be longing for for another big man if you had a guy like Luca instead of a guy like Tatum? And I think that people, especially in Boston, too closely align like Tatum's ability with being at the level that Luca's is already. I just don't see it. 
You know, I watch my fair share of Celtics games. I don't see Tatum as being a perennial superstar. All-star, yes, not superstar. No, I would agree with that. So that is our top 10 duos. I'm sure some of you guys will have some disagreements. Feel free to share them on social media, as I mentioned. Uh, comment below the video. Uh, definitely love the interaction. And uh, like I said, we'll try to get some of those comments up. Uh, I do appreciate uh, Nick stopping by for this show. And uh, again, uh, I guess I'll throw it to Kenny. Kenny Smith is our guy. So Kenny, uh, where are we at with the show? It's